If you have your Bibles, you can be turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. We'll be only covering three verses today, and they're fairly short, as you will see when you turn there. This morning we come to our third and final week of thanksgiving and prayer. Two weeks ago we looked at the letter that Paul wrote to the believers at Philippi. Last week we looked at the Colossian letter that Paul wrote. And this week we're going to look at the letter Paul wrote to the believers at Thessalonica. Remember, three weeks is not enough on the topic of prayer and thanksgiving. We need to be people that are thankful every day and be prayer warriors every day. So as we come to this conclusion today of thanksgiving and prayer, let us think about that. How can we thank God and how can we be more prayer warriors that we go to God in prayer? And today, if there are things or habits that we need to change, Let us be willing to change and allow the Spirit to work in us and through us so that we can do the things that God wants us to do. Pray with me today as we get into God's Word. God, we thank you so much for this morning. Even though we're online together, that we can't meet in person, but we're still able to worship together today. As we come to your word and this letter Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica, help us to be willing to have ears that will hear, hearts that will receive the message, and hearts and minds and attitudes that will go out and change if we need to change. That we will be instruments that will be used by you in the world to bring your gospel message to those who need to hear it. Thank you so much for this time that we can learn from your word. Help us not to waste this opportunity to learn and grow in our knowledge of you. Work in us and through us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and in our Bibles it's known as 1 Thessalonians, this is understood to be the earliest of Paul's letters that he wrote. The letter starts with this. If you have it open, you can see it in the greeting there. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. That's the greeting to these believers. It's striking to me, though, as I read it this week, it's striking to me in the greeting that There's no mention of these men being servants of Christ Jesus. And we see this in other letters. We read it, Paul was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. We read that last week in the book of Colossians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. We read that to the letter to the Philippian believers. But here, there's no mention of them being servants of Christ. But we do know that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were committed to proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And they were on a mission to go spread the message from city to city. Wherever they traveled, they were ready to proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior as they were led by the Holy Spirit. 
Go with me to the book of Acts real quick. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, we see this is when Paul and his companions travel to Thessalonica. Starting in verse 1, Acts chapter 17. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollyana, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. We notice here that the starting of churches did not come without opposition and hardship. Paul and his companions faced many different trials and persecutions for spreading the name of Jesus and proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. Now, they traveled to Thessalonica. This is after they were in Philippi. We know that story. They were thrown in prison for spreading the good news of Jesus and how the Philippian church started with a prayer meeting and then they were thrown in jail and then the Philippian jailer became a believer in Jesus. And then they traveled to Thessalonica, spread the news of Jesus, and again, they face hardship, struggle, persecution. They caused Trouble, these people said. Now this isn't some bad trouble. This is good trouble because what are they spreading? The good news of Jesus as Savior of the world. So they get this church started in Thessalonica. First Thessalonians, if you have not gotten there already, please turn there. Paul writes this letter. To the Thessalonians, because of Timothy's good report, if you see in chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, chapter 3, verse 6, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. So Timothy brings a good report about the Thessalonian believers, and Paul is writing this letter to encourage them in their faith and to continue even though they might be going through severe suffering. And you read that in chapter 1, verse 6. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of suffering going on in this city. 
persecution for maybe believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You also read in chapter 1, they've turned from idols to serve the living and true God. This entire letter is encouraging to those who will read it and hear it. For us today, this letter is written for us. Not just the believers and the church at Thessalonica. It's written for us today. Now, we're not going to cover the whole letter, but I challenge you to go read it all the way through to see Paul's message and encouraging words to these believers. For us today, let us receive this word from God and allow the Holy Spirit, our helper, to lead us into truth and help us to understand it so that we can go out in the world and live lives that are worthy of the Lord. We're only going to look at three verses today. And if you're there, they're short verses. So we're going to cover them, and we're going to learn how to rejoice, be thankful, and pray. Read with me 1 Thessalonians 5, through 5, 16-18. We're going to go verse by verse here. Verse 16, you see it there. Rejoice always. Two words. Rejoice always. Other translations say this. Be joyful always. Always be joyful. Be cheerful no matter what. And enjoy life. All of it. Rejoice. To feel joy or great delight. I asked this question to myself. How can a Christian, a follower of Jesus, rejoice always? This seems like an impossible command to follow through with, doesn't it? Rejoice always? We look at the world around us. When you turn on the news, most likely you're not going to hear good news. You're going to hear about this crooked and perverse generation When you want to hear good news, you have to search and dig for that good news. Hatred, violence, rumors of wars, disobedient children, famines, natural disasters, disease. We could go on and on. So in the midst of all these things, how can we rejoice always? Isn't this a message we need to hear today. We can't meet in person because of COVID-19. But we can still rejoice always. Listen to these two truths from God in His Word. James chapter 1. You can go with me there if you have your Bibles. James chapter 1, verse 17. These two truths I'm going to read from these passages give us how we can rejoice always. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Then you go over to Hebrews. It's probably just one page over. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. David Guzik, an enduring word commentator, wrote this, 
the Christian can rejoice always because their joy isn't based in circumstances, but in God. Circumstances change, but God doesn't. Brothers and sisters here today online, we can rejoice because we know Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us and forgiven us of our sins and a fruit of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us is joy. God doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can rejoice because of that. Let's go on. Verse 17. Pray continually. Another two words. First, first verse there, rejoice always. Two words. Again, two words. Pray continually. Other translations you may be reading. Pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. Keep on praying. Pray all the time. And keep in contact with God 24-7. John Piper, a preacher and theologian and writer, researched prayer and found out this. Out of approximately 667 recorded prayers in the Bible, there are about 454 recorded answers. This should encourage and motivate us to pray without ceasing. The Greek word here, a dialyptos, means without intermission, incessantly, without ceasing, or uninterruptedly. Again, I ask the question about rejoice always. How can a Christian, a follower of Jesus, pray continually? Another, it seems, like another impossible command to follow through with. This may help us. Listen to this. Paul here is not telling the believers to pray every minute of the day, but to continue in prayer whenever possible. Talking to God in prayer should be part of our lifestyle. We must carry it wherever we go. It is a powerful tool to fight off the temptations of the evil one. Another preacher, Stephen Cole, said that prayer is a lifelong process. We're not going to learn it in 30 seconds, how to do it. It's a lifelong process that we need to continue to learn and grow in. Now, there are many good books on prayer from trusted believers in Jesus. I suggest finding one or several to read in order for growing and learning to happen in this area of prayer in our lives. I reread a book from my shelf this week on prayer. This book is called The Common Rule by Justin Early. He wrote this about prayer. There's two kinds of prayer. The first kind of prayer names a reality that is. The second kind of prayer is not simply naming what is, but creating what can be. He goes on, The essence of all these prayers is to stand alongside God and speak order and love into a world that needs it. But our default morning prayers are usually broken versions of one of these two. 
We name false realities, or we create ones that shouldn't be. And then at the end of his chapter on prayer, he gives suggestions. He says, these are three ways to start. Written prayers. Write down a short prayer for a morning, midday, and bedtime. Start there. Have alarms or reminders to help you. The same time every day, an alarm will go off that you need to pray. Maybe you can do that. Praying with the body. This is our posture. Are we praying with a posture of prayer? Suggestions by him are kneeling or raising the palms face up. And then he gives considerations. He says, communal prayers. Pray together with other people. If you have co-workers that are Christians, pray with them throughout your day. So he gives these suggestions, prayers. So read books about prayer to help you find a habit that we can get into about praying. Again, it doesn't have to be every minute of every day. But are we willing to be prayer warriors? Think about this for a second. Have you ever told someone you would pray for them and you forgot to pray for them? I've done it before. Probably many of you have done this before in your life, one time or another. Somebody says, can you pray for me? And then you keep walking along and you forget to pray for them. I suggest this. When someone asks you to pray for something, take a moment and pray for it. Don't allow Satan to get you distracted and forget about that prayer request. Be a prayer warrior. If somebody stops you and says, can you pray for me on this issue? Say, let's pray right now. Take five minutes. It doesn't take that long to pray for a request that is given to you. Stop and pray. As we walk with the Holy Spirit, following the path that we should go, we should never put ourselves in a position where we could not pray. Stay in contact with God continually. So when you have an opportunity to pray, you're going to pray. You're not going to forget about a request or about communion with God in prayer. So we talked about rejoice always, pray continually. Let's go on. 18, verse 18a, the beginning of verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Again, for the third time, I'm going to pose this question or this statement. It seems like an impossible command to follow through with. You think of these commands. Rejoice always. How can I do that? Pray continually. How am I going to pray constantly or continually in my day? And how am I going to give thanks in all circumstances? I'm giving thanks even right now. There's nobody in this sanctuary but me and another person. Luke's in the back recording for us. But we can still give thanks right now. I came here around 8.30 just to come here. It was very quiet. From 8.30 to 10.30, very quiet in this building. I sat down. And I was thanking God for the faces 
I've seen in this sanctuary. I know where you sit. So I looked around the room and I saw your faces. I wrote them down. I know where you sit. So that gives me thanksgiving to God because I see your faces today. Yes, you're on the camera and I can't see you right now, but I see you. The seats are empty. But I'm still thanking God in all circumstances. Charles Spurgeon said this, When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. I like that. You see these three commands. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And Charles Spurgeon says if they get married, the first child they give birth to is thanksgiving. If rejoicing always and praying continually are a part of our lifestyle, then we are going to be thankful people in all circumstances. Even right now, we're in our separate homes. I'm standing up here still wherever I'm, you know, it's my custom to come up here every Sunday to do this. But wherever you are, you can still give thanks. It does not say give thanks only in the good times. No matter what is happening in our lives, good or bad, giving thanks should be coming from our hearts, minds, and lips. Go over with me to Philippians chapter 2. I believe this gives us a picture when we are thankful people. What happens when we're thankful? Look what Paul writes to the believers at Philippi, which we learned about recently. He writes this to them. Chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, 14 through 16a. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. When we grumble and complain, whine, that's for the kids. When you whine, argue about things, it leads down a path we don't want to find ourselves on. When these attitudes are, and actions are present in our life, our trust in God lacks and we become ungrateful. When all we do is grumble and complain, we could have got up, I could have got up this morning and complained and said, oh, I got to go preach to an empty congregation. I could have complained and argued. But instead we can give thanks in all circumstances. Because what does Paul say to the Philippian believers? When you don't argue and complain and grumble, we find ourselves on the path that leads to life. And giving thanks comes naturally. And I love how Paul puts it. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. If we don't grumble and complain, we're grateful people, we're thankful to God, we're going to shine like stars in the sky. I don't know about you, but if you go outside on a clear night, you can see brightly shine stars. I mean, 
they light up the sky. That's what we're compared to when we don't complain and grumble. Thankfulness is part of the Christian's wardrobe. Thank God right now for sending His one and only Son to die on the cross for our sins. We have been forgiven. God is worthy of our praise and thanksgiving in all circumstances. Give thanks. Don't miss that in all circumstances. We go on to the last part of verse 18. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in chapter 4, verse 3, if you turn over there, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will for you to be sanctified. To be free from sin. That's what that means. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. These attributes should be evident in those who are followers of Jesus. Okay, what does it say? This is the will of God, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus has forgiven us. He's redeemed us. So what should be evident in our lives? We just covered them. Be joyful at all times. No matter what is going on in the world, be a joyful person. Pray continually. A Christian should be in constant communication with God. Make it a part of your lifestyle. Give thanks in all circumstances. A Christian should be the most thankful person on the earth. Be thankful for what God has done in your life and will do in your life. Remember from the book of Philippians, Paul wrote, He who began a good work in you will perform it or carry it on to completion until Jesus Christ comes back. Thank God for what He's done for you and will do for you in the future. The invitation to trust Christ as your Savior is always open, is always there. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today is the day of salvation. If you need to make that decision, do it today. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. At this time, we're going to be transitioning into a time of communion. I hope that you went to your cupboards or whatever you had available to use for communion elements. These are different times, but we can still have communion together. So as we transition, let me pray for us as we transition to a communion time. Oh God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the book of 1 Thessalonians and the letter Paul wrote to these believers and to us today. Thank you for the message. I pray that we would receive it, not just in one ear, out the other, but 
that we would contemplate and meditate on it and to live it out, to make it a daily part of our lifestyle. As we go into a time of taking communion together and remembering Jesus, I pray that we would just be thankful, rejoicing because of what Jesus has done for us. And being willing to just be in constant communication with you and remembering you today. Thank you for the people that have heard your message online and here today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.